0: Welcome to Feeding His Sheep Podcast, brought to you by A.T. Stewart & Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. Take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Take your Bibles and turn over to John's Gospel, Chapter 4. As you're turning to that, let me put a question to you this morning. What is the real thirst of your soul this morning? What is the real thirst of your soul this morning? Maybe it's to improve your marriage. Your marriage is in trouble and it's hurting, and your real thirst is to improve your marriage. Maybe your real thirst this morning is to have a child. Maybe your real thirst this morning is to do good on the SATs. Maybe it's to get accepted into the college that you so desire to attend. Maybe the thirst of your soul this morning is to see your child saved. Maybe the thirst of your soul is just to get some relief from the hectic life that you're living. Maybe the real thirst of your soul is just to pay the bills, just to make ends meet, just not to lose your house, to be able to make your mortgage payment. Maybe the thirst of your soul this morning is to be healed from some chronic illness, or condition that you're experiencing. Now, these are all real and valid desires or thirsts, but they may not be the real thirst of your soul this morning. Sometimes we don't really know what we really need. Sometimes we don't really know what the problem is. We may think it's one thing when in reality it's another. For instance, a few years ago, my wife, Terry, developed some difficulties in sleeping. Now, she gave me permission to tell this. And she was waking up during the night and was not able to go back to sleep. Now, the reason she was not able to go back to sleep is because I was snoring. But, you know, it hadn't bothered her before, but I guess as the years pass, our sleeping doesn't uh, uh, Become as sound and as deep, and so she'd wake up and and couldn't go back to sleep. So I had an appointment with my doctor anyway, and so she said, "Why don't you ask him if he'll write you a prescription from, for some sleeping pills that I can take so I can sleep?" So I said, well, "That sounds pretty good to me." So I went in and was talking to him, and I and I said, "Doctor." My wife is having trouble sleeping. She wakes up during the night and and she can't go back to sleep because of my snoring. Uh, I said, "You think you could write her some sleeping pills?" He said, "Well, I could." He said, "But I really like to. I'd rather treat your snoring than to treat her lack of sleep." And I kind of looked at him strange, and he said, "You may have sleep apnea, which is a condition that you stop breathing during the night many, many times." And it, one of the symptoms is loud snoring. I mean, I used to snore so loudly that I, we have a two-store house, and I, we, our bedroom's upstairs, and with the door closed, us upstairs, the girls would bring their dates in the front door, and the dates would say, what's that noise? they says it's my dad's snoring. You know, neighbors call and say, would you put your windows down, please? We can't sleep. No, not that bad. So he said, "I think you need to have a sleep test and, and see if that's the problem." Well, sure enough, uh, I had a sleep test. I did have sleep apnea, and then they prescribed this machine uh, that blows air down your nostril, up your nostrils, uh, with so much pressure, uh, the thing that makes you snore can't close down and make you snore, and you also breathe better and you don't keep waking up all during the night. So guess what? She started sleeping better. The problem was not her at all. Believe it or not, it was me. Sometimes we think our problem is one thing when in reality it is another. Sometimes we have a thirst and we think that thirst is for one thing when in reality it's something else. That was the case with the woman that Jesus talked to in our passage today. She had a thirst, but she thought her thirst was for something else. And so Jesus had to first show her where her real thirst was. And once she understood her real thirst, then he shared with her how she could satisfy that thirst. John chapter 4. Our passage is known as Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. We will begin our passage in verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria, speaking of Jesus. And he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which Jewish time would be twelve noon. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is a place for men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When that one comes, He will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. This is a rather interesting encounter that Jesus has with this woman. Immediately, Jesus confronts her And turns the conversation toward a human need when he says, give me a drink. Now notice, this woman does not respond to what Jesus has said. Now Jesus could have said to her, man, it's hot today, isn't it? Oh, you think it's going to rain today? I mean, he could have talked about the weather, but he didn't. Instead, he said, give me a drink. But she ignores it. Instead, she begins to talk about relationship. Now, this gives us an indication what the thirst of this woman's soul was. Because she says to him, How is it that you, being a Jewish man, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Two things were going on here that were contrary to the normal practice. Number one, that a man would speak to a woman. Men just didn't speak to women. In public places like that. So it was strange that he, a man, would first speak to her as a woman. But what even made it more strange was that he, being a Jew, would speak to her, a Samaritan. You see, the Samaritans began years earlier, back in around the 700 B.C. when the king of Assyria came and he deported some of the Israelites... Back to Assyria. And he sent some of his Assyrians to take their place there around the area known as Samaria. Well, they intermarried with the Jewish people who were there. Now, the Jews were racist, folks. There's no way to get around it. Man, if you were not Jewish, you were trash. They said, You got to stay Jewish and you got to marry Jewish, and there is no in between. Now, They would allow non-Jews to come in and be proselyted into the faith, but hey, you don't want to marry anyone that's not Jewish. Well, when these Jews married these Assyrians, and they were considered anathema, they were considered defiled. A good Jew wouldn't even drink from the utensils a cup that a Samaritan had, much less have anything to do with them. A good Jew would go out of his way... Miles, 10, 20, 30 miles to go from Judea up to Galilee to bypass Samaria. They want to go through the country. And here Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. And she says, What's going on here? Now Jesus, in verses 10 through 14, shows her there's something better than she is experiencing. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Jesus said, there's something greater here than just this water that you're after. I'm talking about living water." Now what did Jesus mean and what did she understand by living water? Well, what she would have understood by living water was water in a stream. Water that was moving was considered living water as opposed as opposed to water that's standing still. Now those of you who might have grown up grown up on a farm or out in the country and you had to drill wells, you know there are two different kinds of wells. Uh, there are underground streams running all the time and if you drill down into one of those underground streams and you're tapping into that stream running underground when you pull up the water. Well, another kind of well is you don't exactly tap into a stream, but the water just kind of seeps through the rocks down into the well. And so you have a supply, but it's not the quality and freshness of a well of living water. And so this is what this lady understood Jesus to be seeing. Well, you know, you'll get some water that flows. But what Jesus really was talking about was what? Spiritual water. We have two different levels of conversation going on here at the same time. And so Jesus continues. And she says to him, verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? How can this be? And then Jesus says in third. Verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And she says, I want this water. I want this water. Now, did she understand this to be spiritual water? Does she understand what he was really talking about? Well, look at her response and you can tell. Why did she want that water? She wanted the water so she wouldn't have to come back to this well anymore. She thought again, I won't ever have a physical thirst. I won't ever be thirsty again for water, so I won't ever have to come back here and draw water again. I want some of this water, she says in verse 15. And then Jesus reveals that this woman has been drinking out of the fish pond of relationships and he says to her in verse uh, 16 go call your husband and come here and the woman answered and said i have no husband jesus says you have correctly said i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband This you have said truly." This woman had spent her life trying to satisfy that thirst within her soul with relationships with men and she couldn't satisfy. She'd gone through five husbands trying to find the right guy to satisfy the deep thirst in her soul And none of those guys could satisfy And now she was on a sixth guy. And she hadn't even married him. This woman was drinking from the fish pond of relationships. You know, women tend to drink from that pond more than any other one. Men tend to drink from the fish pond of accomplishments and things. You ever notice, ladies, how... The guy who the one who wants to, to to accumulate things in your family is your husband. I mean, who wants the big screen TV, right? Who wants the surround sound? Right? Who wants the computer, right? I mean, who wants the things? You know, how often does a wife come in and say, "Man, I want a big screen TV set. I want to get satellite." You know. She comes in and says, I want to paint the room a different color. You know, we need some new carpet. But, you know, the gadgets. Guys want things. How many times does a woman comes in and says, Man, I want a new boat. I can't wait. Let's get a new boat. i got to have a new shotgun. You know. Women tend to, again, drink of the fish pond of relationships. This woman was trying to find satisfaction in relationships. Now, you know. She had the part of it right. I mean, the real need of her soul was for a meaningful relationship. She was just looking in the wrong place for it. She was looking for it with men. And then I think she has a sudden realization. I think she, for the first time, realizes the real thirst of her soul. She says to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say, that is the Jews, that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Now does, just looking at this conversation, does that seem strange to you that she jumps all the way to talking about bringing some water out of a well to talking about worship? I think it's strange unless you see what must have been going on in her mind to bring her to this conversation. I think when Jesus told her, basically, that she'd been drinking out of the fish pond of relationships, she realized this is a man of God, a prophet. And being in the presence of a prophet, she suddenly realized what her soul was really thirsting for was a relationship with God. How can you be in the presence of the Son of God and not have a yearning in your soul for God? And so as far as she knew, when she thought about God, she thought about worship. And so she asked him, tell me about worship. What's the right place to worship? What is worship? When you get down to the very core of worship, what is it? Is it not a relationship? Is it not a loving relationship? In fact, the Greek word for worship is made up of the prefix toward and the verb to kiss. True worship is a loving relationship with God. I think this woman suddenly had an epiphany. God suddenly suddenly revealed to her that the true thirst of her soul was for a meaningful relationship, but it was for a meaningful relationship with God. And so she says, tell me about worship. You see, if we are going to have a true, fulfilling relationship with God, if we're going to drink from the living fountain of God, we must drink from the cup of worship. And Jesus tells us some things about worship this morning. First, He tells us that the worship place is not important. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming... And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus says it's not the place. It's not whether you're in Jerusalem. It's not whether you're on Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans worship. That's not the issue where. The place. The Islamic faith says there are three holy sites. Mecca, Medina, and Jerusalem. Now, if one worships in Jerusalem, it's as good as a thousand worship acts someplace else. And if you worship in Mecca or Medina, it's even is more valuable. You know, that guerrilla terrorist that's in that holy place, that, oh, he, he's say We can't go in there. Now, if he was in this building right here, do you think we could say go get him? I'd say go get him. Because, hey, this is just more than brick. You know, worship is in here, not out here. It's not the place that's important, Jesus says. You don't have to be in a church building to worship. You can worship anywhere. The place doesn't matter. Jesus says, The worship relationship is what is important. Those who worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and truth. He's talking about the worship relationship. What does it mean by spirit and truth? First, it must be a spiritual relationship. It's a spiritual relationship made possible by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that causes our spirit to become alive to God. We come into this human race, our spirit is separated from God. It is dead as far as God's concerned. We cannot relate to God. Sin has covered our hearts and has caused a separation between us and God. And we cannot bridge that separation. But when the Holy Spirit comes and brings a new birth within us, He quickens our spirit and He brings it alive to God and our spirit can relate to God. We can have a relationship, an intimate love relationship with God. The Holy Spirit brings us into the very presence of God. Over in Ephesians 2.18, Paul says, "...for through Him..." that is Christ, we have both our access in one, Father, one Spirit to the Father. Access is introduction. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes us into the presence of God. He's the one that gives us that relationship. So first of all, it's a spiritual relationship. It's not a physical relationship. Secondly, it's a love relationship between our Spirit and God. We're caught up in Him. Our heart is offered to Him completely, unreservedly. We are most satisfied in Him. He is the satisfaction of our heart. He captivates our heart. Thirdly, it is an inner spiritual relationship. Not an external ceremonial activity. It's not burning candles, or incense, or singing songs, or reciting prayers, or preaching. That's not worship. It's not singing songs. Not even singing praise choruses. You can do all of that and not worship. That those may be expressions of worship, but in and of themselves they are not worship because worship is inward. It is an inward love relationship with God. When you're most satisfied in Him, you're worshiping. In spirit, means a relationship is one that is spiritual. It is one that the Holy Spirit has enabled. It's a love relationship between us and God. And next, he says, it's a relationship built on truth, in spirit and in truth. First, truth about God. You cannot have a relationship with anyone if you don't know about them. Now, you could bring a stranger into this room that you did not know. That stranger could sit on this end of the pew, and you could sit on that end of the pew. And you could look at each other all day long, but not say a word to each other, not write a note to each other, not in any way communicate to each other, and you could stay there all day, and you would not have any relationship with them when the day's over. In fact, you could sit there all month, because you wouldn't know anything about them. But now once y'all start communicating and start learning about each other, then a relationship can develop. There's got to be some knowledge before there can be a relationship. Well, if we're going to have a relationship with God, it's got to be based on truth about God. That is, we're having a relationship with the God of the Scriptures, not the God of Islam, who is not the God of Scriptures, not the God of Mormonism, who is not the God of Scriptures, but the God of the Word. Not the God of our own making. The God of the New Age movement. Now you can make God pretty much anything you want, the God within. No. It's a relationship that's based on the truth about God in His Word. It is truth not only about God, but truth about ourselves, about our total dependency and need for God. You want to enter into a loving relationship with God, you realize how much you need Him. It is a relationship based on truth about our sins. You cannot have that loving relationship with God, that true worship, if you are harboring sin in your life. Some of you are saying, man, I've been trying to get this soul satisfaction this month, but I just can't get there. Well, you know, sin may be keeping you from getting there. If you're living in an illicit relationship or you're involved in knowing sin in your life, hey, you're not going to make it. you got to be true about your own life and what's going on in your life. Truth also about boundaries. Now, a lot's been written in recent years about the necessity of boundaries in relationships. Well, I want you to know God has set some boundaries in our relationship with Him. You cannot just relate to God any way you want to. You have got to relate to Him according to the boundaries He set in His Word. You cannot enter into a drug-induced state of worship. You've got to worship God according to His Word and the boundaries He's set up. So it's a relationship of spirit, it's a relationship of truth. And the third thing we see is, it's a relationship, a worship relationship God earnestly seeks. Look at verse 23, last part of the verse. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. This word seek in the Greek is not for just casually looking for something, but it means to earnestly, diligently, look for something, to seek for something. It's used of the man who had the hundred sheep and he gets in and realizes that one of them is lost. And what does he do? He leaves the ninety and nine and he goes after that one. And he doesn't just casually, nonchalantly look for that one lost sheep. No, he diligently searches. The widow who lost that coin, she turned up the house looking for it. God is so diligently looking for true Worshippers. God is looking for those who will have this true, loving relationship with Him. It was just this amazing truth that God used to bring young William Tyndall to Himself. William Tyndall was a contemporary of Martin Luther. And under Martin Luther's influence, William Tyndall wanted to translate the Bible, the New Testament, into English. At that time, there were no English copies of the New Testament, only Greek and Hebrew Old Testament. And he felt like Luther that the people needed to be able to read the Word of God. Each person needed to read it. Well, what did they do before that? They had to go to the priest, and he would have to read it for them and tell them what it said. And they had to take his word for it. Couldn't read the Bible on your own. And Tyndall said, this isn't right. And so he began to translate the Bible into English. But you know, the church didn't like it. And so he was eventually tortured, imprisoned, strangled, and then burned. Why? Why? Because he translated the Bible into English. So people could read it. As a young man, he said, you know, I didn't think salvation was for me because I didn't love God. But then one day, God showed him the verse in 1 John that says, we love Him because He first loved us. And then he said it just opened up to him. He realized. That was all the difference in the world. That He didn't have to love God first. God loved him already. And he could simply respond to that love. God earnestly seeks a loving relationship with us. He waits for us. He longs for us to respond in a loving relationship of spirit and truth with Him. God cares deeply for us. This woman realized she needed a Savior, a Messiah. In verse 25, she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ, and when He comes, He will declare all things to us. And Jesus says, hey, look no further. I am He. I'm the one that your soul longs for, that your soul thirsts for. He told her of the spiritual relationship that would really satisfy her soul was that loving relationship with God. One that was spiritual. One that was built on truth. God earnestly seeks just such worshipers. How do you drink from the cup of faith? You say, well, preacher, If you had going on in your life what I have going on in my life, man, my life is just Awful. Man, I got problems at work. I got problems at home. My kids hate me. My wife doesn't like me. Man, you just don't know how bad it is. How do you worship? First, you got to make a choice to do it. If you wait till your life's perfect, if you wait till there's no stress in your life, you never will. Yeah, I know you got stress. I know things are going on that upset you and bother you. But you know what you got do? you just got to say, you know, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to block out all this stuff. I'm just going to get some peace and quiet with God if it's just for a few moments. I'm going to just take all this and block it out of my mind, and I'm going to focus on you, God. It's a choice you make. Secondly, you must set a time. You may have to get up early. You may have to go to bed late, but you've got to set a time to go worship. You've got to make time. You've got to pull yourself away and go in with God. It takes effort. It takes effort. You've got to open up the Word of God and spend some time in the Word. You need to spend time in prayer. All of that's developing that love relationship that is worship. And then it takes faith. Faith that God is and He is reward of those who diligently seek Him. Faith that the Holy Spirit will bring you into God's presence. Matt Redmond is a famous Christian singer in Britain. And he tells a story that early in his career, he played in the praise team at his church. And one day the pastor came up to the praise team and he said, you know, you guys really do a great job. Uh, in your performance. He said, but you are neglecting true worship. And Matt said, uh, members of the band got offended and they all quit. Left the church. All but Matt. He stayed. And it was just a little after that he wrote that famous song, The Heart of Worship. And one of the lines in that song is, I'm coming back to worship, the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. You know the song we sing. Coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. Soul satisfaction, true soul satisfaction, is found in true worship. And worship is... Is all about Jesus. When I get those days that I just want to quit, I just flee. I flee to Jesus. I say, Jesus, I've got to get some satisfaction. My soul is thirsty. And I just block out. I block out everything else. And I just get alone with Jesus. And I just say, I need... I need the waters of your Spirit just to flow in me. I just need that love relationship. I need you, Jesus. And you know, I worship. And I find some measure of satisfaction. Sometimes more than others. But you know, I know that's where it's really found. And that's where I seek it. Let's pray.